Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm your host, Megan Gray, and this is the music podcast where I get to know the people behind the music. In each episode, I speak to a different band, artist, or music professional about their experiences so far within the industry. Each guest creates an exclusive playlist full of their most life-defining songs. That way we can hear all about the music and moments that have made them the people and musicians that they are today. Hello and welcome back to the Vocal Girls podcast. This week I'm speaking to the amazing post-punk band, The Clockworks. The cops are sleeping while the shops are robbing us the jobs are taking on the boss. Is a snob who thinks that time is cheating him his wife's doing the same life is greeting us with a thank you and good day. Made up of frontman James, guitarist Sean, bassist Tom and drummer Damien, they're an unstoppable band with big plans. Their music is fierce, urgent and distinct, with lyricism that remains true to their punk roots, taking a critical look on society. Their new single, The Future Is Not What It Was, is out on the 12th of June and has already gained attention from the likes of Annie Mack, who's played it on her Radio 1 show as part of her new names feature. I can't wait to speak to the band and find out how they've been getting on in lockdown, as well as what has made it onto their playlist. This is the longest that we've not seen each other in like probably like 10 years, I think. Wow, how are you finding that? It's not easy. It's great, unreal. Two ends of the spectrum. I'm, I'm indifferent. <laughs> He's indifferent. <laughs> wow. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, Tread no. on my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's, uh, it's really weird and really it takes a lot of getting used to, I guess. So have you all gone back to Ireland then? Hmm. Home, home. So you must have had to decide to do that quite early on then? Early early on by UK standards, but not by Ireland standards. So we oh, really? obviously had, we were in touch with our families in Ireland and the way it was being treated over here earlier on than in the UK was much different. So we had two, if you watch the Irish news and the English news, they're very showing very different things and very different stats. And I think that's why the UK is in the state that it's in now, because it yeah. took so long. Yeah, it's it's kind of mad here. It was like... It was like, oh, everything's fine. And then I think every country outside the UK was looking at it being like, but it's not fine. You yeah. Know, now the UK is the worst in Europe of all the countries. I know. It was strange, though, like Sean said, looking at Irish news and English news. Mm. Because all of us obviously have a vested interest in Ireland. Yeah. Um, and seeing this like completely different approaches, completely different um reactions to like Italy and Spain mm. and stuff and then sort of being somewhere in between because all our family were react were part of the Irish reaction and we were living in the English reaction you know it was just yeah it was bizarre it's quite scary like yeah. knowing how much of it how much you're like the way you think about things is a like victim of what the government tells you to think because I think most of the time you're like you don't realize that that's the case but that's a kind of really tangible so true, yeah. example of like how like misled we are I guess 
It just depends on what news station you watch, what what news you're going to get, do you mm. know? Seems simple when you say it like that, but like the things you're being told can actually mean a lot more yeah. coming from another station. Even the pubs close. I, I saw some pub in Galway, where we're from, put up a status being like, we didn't close our doors during World War Two, and if we're closing our doors now. So like, I know Ireland weren't like directly part of World War Two, but like, you know, it was a crazy time. Yeah. So like to see that in writing was a bit nuts yeah it is so weird because it is like a kind of war approach but it's just such an invisible thing I think most of the time you just forget it's happening and you're kind of like yeah not realizing that's so true yeah and then when you go out and then you just have I feel like I keep having these random moments of it like sinking in like when you go to the shop and just like everyone's in these masks it's quite like apocalyptic (laughs) it's easy to forget at home when you haven't been to the shop for a few days yeah and and you're like oh yeah are you like out in the countryside then? I am. Damien is. Actually, do you know what? I could say that me and James are too compared to London standards. But, yeah. Uh, f- for where we are, we're in the town. But compared to Sean and James's standards, I am. <laughs> yeah. Like, He's in like Antarctica compared to London. I think compared to anybody's standards, Damien's yeah. definitely in the countryside. <laughs> out in the sticks. I'm so, I'm so envious of that. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely safe, which is a good thing, but nothing to do. Yeah, not a good review from you then. So how has this kind of affected you guys as a band? Kind of like how it's impacted everyone. But for us, it was like in our circle, it was going to be our busiest summer that we've ever had. Like May in particular was going to be crazy. We were going to go on on tour with Inhaler. Um, We were going to Paris prague do you know we'd all these exciting things and then all of a sudden they're all just gone so mm. uh that was a bit rubbish yeah. but it's given us time to write stuff at home um kind of adapt in different ways yeah i think it was nearly the hardest at the beginning because um we were like clinging on to you know this gig in july we'll still go ahead even though yeah. these gigs in may won't and then it's like this festival is going to be fine oh prague yeah. isn't affected yet oh don't worry we're still going to record and then eventually it's just like okay we can let's just take it that everything yeah everything is gone you know yeah it's Fire easier sale. in the whole slave everything must go yeah. yeah 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 i think i was doing the the same with like any event that i had coming up it was like the further away ones i was like well i'm sure these ones will be fine by then and then just one by one they just get cancelled and it's yeah. like, like week by week month by month just moves yeah. further and further away yeah but i think yeah. you can once you've sort of accepted that limitation you can find the opportunities within that, those limitations yeah definitely such as like writing like sean said writing you know this is a part like if you are up for writing and you want to and you can yeah it's a perfect time to do it kind of like accepting yeah. your new reality or reading, you know, watching movies and, and learning and sort of seeing things, like listening to loads of music and stuff, you know. It's a great time to just sit and listen. And not feeling guilty about it. I actually find that I've, personally, my uh, my days are like full. Yeah. I'm like, wake up and I'm like, what of the things that I want to do can I fit in today? Because yeah. I'm going to, wa- I want to watch this movie and listen to these four albums and discover 10 new bands and read these three books, you know. They're all things that you could never have put beside. Uh, you could never have given them the same weight before all of this as like going to meet some person or yeah. you know go to the pub or whatever. Mm, but or, now you can like give watching yeah. a movie 
rehearsal. Or rehearsal or anything we, that we normally do. You can actually give watching a movie some weight for like your time, you know, it's worth yeah. it. And like actually putting things in to look forward to that are really like simplistic. Mm. Like quizzes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, do, I do feel for you guys though, because like obviously you're kind of relatively recently signed. It's kind of like the most exciting time with all these kind of amazing new things happening. And then, I mean, obviously only within reason because you are living the dream really. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I think it's it, it must be quite hard with like being on the cusp of everything and then just like the delay. I just, I can't get, I can't get annoyed or pissed off about it because it's, you know, it's like really kind of, in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. When you look at what, what what's happening, like I, I can't be annoyed or pissed off or, you know, you know, it's it's disappointing that like it happened when we had all these things lined up, but like in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing really. Also, if we were like a year bigger, we would be in some serious financial yeah ruin right now do you know because once you're the next step up in the tier of bands start, things start getting planned like way way more in advance and yeah. tickets are bought like plane tickets and like we know of bands that are like like thousands and thousands of, like like 80 grand 100 grand in debt Crikey. yeah for tours that have been cancelled i think we're in a couple hundred of what we know yeah flights and a lot of that at the moment is like transferable as well so hopefully like flights will all get moved you know like pushing so it back like, hopefully we won't actually lose anything yeah there. just time we've been awarded more time than we'd probably have in a year yeah. longer do you know what i mean i never thought that we'd have this much time the good thing is so is everyone else so it's just paused it's not like anyone's yeah. climbing above us on the ladder of success, you know, we're all stopped. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I've noticed. At least you don't have constant FOMO when you're stuck in having a night in because you're not like, oh, everyone else is out. Do you know when you're studying for exams or something and it's that horrible thing where, you know, like everyone else is living their life and you're just stuck inside. Mm. But this is like, at least you don't have, at least you know no one else is at the pub. Yeah, exactly. If there's one band that for some reason all got coronavirus and so they could keep on working <laughs> oh that'd be that'd be rough no one would go to their gigs though <laughs> that's the problem yeah true yeah. The only other people who've had it <laughs> yeah if even it comes like a new requirement you're you're only allowed to go to gigs if you've had it i think you can get it twice so that probably wouldn't even work yeah i've heard oh, that oh jeez yeah there's so many rumors too, going yeah. around though that's it it's all rumor not this could be yeah. fake news, yeah. If anyone listens to this podcast, and we're saying <laughs> that you can get it twice, and you can't. None of this is fact. I don't know. It's all conspiracy. Yeah. Disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a conspiracy theorist podcast. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd get my tinfoil hat out. I could get into a few of those at the end. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to ask how you formed as a band like how do you guys know each other initially well me sean and james went to the same secondary school and so we we met there james is like two years above us even though he's only a year older he's quite smart our james or maybe we're quite stupid i don't know which <laughs> but either way um so that's where we met and we kind of started playing together uh towards the end of me and sean being in school um and then a couple of a year or two later, we moved into Galway and eventually met Tom, who was going to college there. Yeah, so we go way back. That's the, that's the short version. 
Yeah, now we're in London. <laughs> Skip on a few. When did you start deciding that you were going to, like, the band was going to be, like, a proper serious thing? Was it right from the outset? or In a way. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Me, me and Sean used to j- just play in a sh- his shed to each other and tell each other we were going to headline Glastonbury someday. Didn't we? Like, literally... Mm-hmm. We were fully convinced that I would have liked to have seen that. <laughs> we had no, we had no songs to speak of, or plan, or real idea of what we were doing. But we just that was like the initial, the initial uh, ambition was to headline Glastonbury, and then slowly we sort of built up an idea of what we wanted to. Do. It was very organic. It wasn't like um, four separate musicians come together to to create this product straight out of the music college to manufacture to manufacture a product to you know to sell you know we were just like music is just something that we've always sort of talked about and then at one point a few years ago we just sort of went well let's just actually go for it you know what i mean let's just jump right in death or glory yeah you're only going to do it if you jump right in kind of way it's not going to happen you know if you don't fully commit so like we've always lived together from the start too so oh, really? another yeah yeah so, so really literally were... living and breathing the band then yeah 100%. until now i don't know anyone else <laughs> who's actually this committed for this long <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were literally yeah. just gonna say i don't know anyone else then and then just stop <laughs> yeah i don't know anyone. that's also true <laughs> um, think that way, yeah <laughs> yeah that's what a band is to us though is is that sort of uh, literally a band a band yeah you know it's every like it, it's so much it's so much more than just um a few gigs and a couple of singles yeah well that's how it's supposed to be i think i think so too yeah so bills keep coming so the bills keep coming bills keep coming so the bills keep coming the bills keep coming so the bills keep coming the bills keep coming so the bills keep coming what made you decide to take the move to London? Everything. Everything, yeah. Exactly. It was such a why not, as much of a why, too. Um, we're young. We had done well in Galway. I can't remember if we if we planned to do a headline, sell it out and then go, or we planned to go. So we booked a headline and that made us sell it out. Rent prices in Galway were so high. As well, we were like, geez, we'd be paying this much in London. And then I was like, why don't we pay that much in London as well? Yeah. It was the the gig thing. I can't, I can't remember either what came first, but it doesn't matter because it kind of says it all that we played the venue that we had sort of played our first ever gigs in, sort of grown grown up as a band in. And we, we, had, we sold that venue out. And so that was kind of, if nothing else, like that, that felt like the, uh, the passport or something to, yeah. to move on, you know, it was a really great moment. It was like a kind of sweet moment for us. Yeah. It was kind of like securing that confidence, um, from the place where you're from. Like obviously we felt confident enough to try it in the first place, but then you get the validation, kind of like the passport thing. Yeah. You get the. Yeah, okay, fair enough. 
Yeah, so January 2019. And you got um like signed within was it like 10 days or something of moving here something sick, yeah, something sickening that, yeah. like that? Maybe. <laughs> Might have been 11, but yeah. I wouldn't say sickening. I thought it was quite good actually. Yeah. So we had obviously like been well aware of McGee and uh his life and his bands and everything he'd done because like we're big fans of Oasis and you know, Libertines, yeah. Primal Scream, Jesus Mary Chain. You name it. One morning on the way to work, I sent him an Instagram message, like me and Jane, like we'd all done before, you know, a million times, because that's what you, you spend a lot of your free time working for the band, you know, sending messages to people you know mm. will probably never reply. Um, and this time he did, and he got straight back, and the song I sent him was Bills and Pills. He asked for our best song, and that's the song he decided to put out on Creation 23, so... He came and see us, came to see us rehearse. I think it was, he went on tour with the Happy Mondays in Australia and came straight back. So it was about two weeks after that to our rehearsal room in Mill Hill and signed us there. And then that night. Wow, that's so crazy. Yeah. It must have been pretty, ter- pretty terrifying him coming along to your rehearsal though. We picked him up from the train station. Oh, really? The rehearsal room, he had no car and he got off the tube with his business partner and uh, I was like, He's like, is it far? And I was like, it's about ten minute drive. So he's like, should we pick you up? And he's like, yeah, go on. So we pull up to the station and see like this hugely famous and like you know influential figure standing there, <laughs> Scottish accent, terrifying. Oh my god! Maybe it was the lift that really sealed the deal. Maybe could have been. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he owed us one. Yeah, <laughs> we really put on our A game for that whole night. So. And hasn't <laughs> he paid off? Hasn't he been quoted saying something like the best rehearsal he's seen since Oasis or something of that ilk? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. True. No biggie True. then. It was a good rehearsal. I think it was the best rehearsal I've seen since. Since I won before. What other ones I've seen, but it's pretty good. Must have really wanted it or something. Yeah, James actually broke the microphone stand with all his quotes, McGee all his quotes. Yeah, he he gave it so much that it actually snapped. No way. Yeah, he loved that. Yeah. In the first song, I think. It was the first song, yeah. We had a lot of uh, tension building up that day. That th- Those two weeks, in fact, waiting for that moment because we were like, okay, we just landed in London. This is the chance that we've been waiting years for. It's like we're not going to let go of that easily. So we really, really gave it all that night. I was going to say I thought he was going to leave. I'm sure we thought he was going to leave after one one song. We didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. We thought he was busy. Didn't I? Yeah. Busy businessman stays for a change. Or two and, yeah, it was great. Um, I think we we carried. We've always had that mindset. I think anyway, but we really carried it forward since since then. Mm. Of um, putting everything into everything, but into every gig. Like we really try to uh, emotionally invest in every every gig. Every gig, there's people there to to share an experience with. I mean, that, from my perspective, when I... Because I obviously saw you when you were supporting Joe Tabot from Idols on his um, In Conversation tour. But yeah, I was like... I didn't, I wasn't expecting to see any music that night. And I was like really blown away. I think it's quite hard to impress an unexpected and un, an unknowing crowd. But I feel like everyone was really captivated. So I kind of echo that. Thank um, you. Nice. Appreciate Thank you. that. <laughs> It was a good night, yeah. The crowd were... That was a good night. 
Yeah. Happy, I think, to see some music as well. Which is, yeah, definitely. We didn't know if they were going to be or not, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. That's so, so, so true what you're saying. That, um, obviously, easier to win someone over who already likes you enough to... Mm. When yeah. you go expecting uh, Joe Talbot and you got this band. Everyone think they're in the wrong venue. <laughs> yeah. Could be. No, it was definitely a happy, a happy surprise. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. So kind of what was the, the process after being signed? Did it all kind of just start happening quickly in terms of releasing records? Um so well, that We hadn't we hadn't even moved yeah, we hadn't even moved into London. Like we didn't even have a place to live. Oh true. Yeah. Oh yeah. What? <laughs> two of us two of us didn't have jobs here or anything. It was yeah, it was it was really new. So I think we got we got that sort. <laughs> we knew we were new to London, obviously. We knew yeah. there were a lot of bands who'd been playing here for years, doing the circuit and stuff. And we also knew there's a lot of uh scenes in London. You know, like sort of like the windmill yeah. and stuff have their scene and um you know, they're like East London bands and stuff. I mean, so I guess like that, the women and stuff with Shame and Black Midi and everything. And that's like a big one, that sort of quite notable one. But I th- we kind of thought the first thing we could do is maybe, because we're not in any of those scenes, is to sort of just do our own thing completely for a while. Mm-hmm. So we spent a while playing small venues in like Northwest London or, <clears throat> or places that like pubs and venues like Notting Hill Arts Club and stuff. Venues that sort of didn't have a scene attached yeah. to them at the moment. And just sort of creating our own little thing as much as we could. And that was quite good because we started getting like sort of bands coming and um, a lot of people coming to like every night that we did. And so that's what we did for the first while before we released anything was to play either yeah. tiny support slots in t- tiny little venues in random places or or sort of play venues that we didn't expect people to be to be going to as much um and then we released our first song and then we started playing maybe some more expected gigs i guess is the word how did it feel releasing the first record great (laughs) i think that was the date october 4th Mm -hmm. october 4th yeah i think it was yeah so we got signed in uh january or february and then for the first single to be october it felt like a long time yeah but um we did quite a lot in that time like we we opened for kings leon in liverpool that was something that wow, was wow that's insane very big yeah so like we did lots of big things like that we played on soccer am joe we did lots of stuff that lots of bands have never done before releasing a first single yeah so it mightn't be the most conventional route but like we kind of like doing it our own way anyway a lot of the time yeah almost like gathering noise and expectation in advance yeah exactly yeah i think there's a there's like this thing with bands probably with anything like a mystique when you uh yeah you don't know a lot about them but you hear things like they're on soccer yeah yeah but but i've never heard of them yeah i think we did a good good balance of mystique before uh, releasing the, the first one in october yeah yeah, we had planned on uh, planned on releasing a lot more, um, like frequently this year or up until uh, this whole crisis. But uh, you know we're still gonna crack on. So like a lot of people are stopping putting stuff out at all, but we're still gonna put one out in June. Yeah. Um, yeah. So our next single co- comes out in June twelfth. So 
we're going to crack on with that and see how it goes down. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the um, the kind of creating uh, excitement around the new singles seems to be happening with this one as well. Because um, didn't you get your first yeah. play on Annie Mac's show the other day? Yes, yeah, that was That's a, mad. another kind of nice story. Yeah, so we went down to BBC and actually, I don't know if you heard the, the broadcast, but she yeah. told the whole story on the broadcast and uh, we handed her a CD. We actually waited outside until two hours before her show because we had like an idea that's roughly the time that she goes in for her show and bumped into her and I was like uh we had met her four years previous with the cd uh got an email back from her very nice producer saying that we're just basically short stories we're not we weren't ready yet um but to build up our audience and so when we came back and met her there a few weeks ago I was like we've been signed by Ella McGee we live here now we've done all this stuff and I actually met you like years before and she remembered so Aww. it was a nice like full circle coming full circle kind of story yeah. yeah that's so old school i love i love that yeah that's that's how we kind of love you know yeah we yeah. kind of live by that though we we live by it's a, it's the same mindset that went into playing the like the random venues in london and stuff you know we we just it's not like we're trying to be abstract for the sake of it or anything but just try and do things that we think could be good ideas regardless of whether yeah anyone else anyone else is saying they are or not you know yeah so, like we couldn't believe that bands that are from london didn't spend every single waking minute stand outside bbc trying to hand any yeah. cd we're like they live here it's like when we lived in galway we were like we get, we've got nobody to meet here yeah but like if we were in london we'd do this and that so as soon as we landed in london last year like we really hit the ground running with regards to that kind of stuff so like we had all these kind of outside ideas from people who were watching london from the outside like mm. waiting outside bbc and stuff like that it's super impressive it really shows that kind of a lot of this has all come off your own backs and your own kind of dedication to it because like being signed like you reached out and like getting the record on radio one like that was like a quite yeah. active thing it's really nice and refreshing to see bands still doing that kind of stuff thank you yeah it's great to see it uh working working out you know because it's kind of we've been we've been playing together for so long really now that um not that long but you know long enough feels long when you're in it but like yeah you just keep sticking out and keep keep working like it, it will come through and the new single comes out on uh is it june 12th Yep, June 12th. Uh, the future is not what it was. Sounds quite apt at the moment. So what's it about? It's about this crazy pandemic. <laughs> Sweeps the world. We wrote it four years ago. It's just crazy. <laughs> You're so psychic. Mm. It actually... I don't know what it's about anymore. <laughs> it, it's like, it is a bit dystopian, but it wasn't... Obviously, it was written way before this whole situation, mm. but I feel like you—the fact, obviously, that it's being released within the the context of the situation—I don't think it'll for the next while. I don't think you could rem you could separate the two. Weirdly, maybe that's worked out quite well then. Yeah, the main th thought process, I guess, or or idea that it was trying to deal with was when you look to the future, you expect things to be sort of better in every way and so far you know they never 
the problems have never really changed. What we do changes, or, you know, like, uh, we don't have Spanish flu anymore. This is, uh, why do I have to choose a pandemic? Uh, we don't, you know. I think it might be on your We have coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. But, you know, like, politicians are still politicians. Yeah. You know, and you sort of, like, it's very easy to feel like the world is conspiring against you. And it's as easy now as it was then. Mm. And I guess that's the overriding sort of feeling is that people fall quite easily yeah. into feeling. Um, and then maybe I guess the chorus is just is just the idea that the future, like 2020 was better in the comic books of 1970 than it is now, yeah. you know, which is weird. Yeah, 2020, it's not that great. <laughs> not yet, just wait till June 12th. They're coughing up the coffers for a toughing off the coppers while they're stocking up the coffin. Something rattled in the office, dropped the bottom line out of the other players for the failure while in the end the movie had nothing on the truth. What's the kind of writing process for you guys, generally? Pre or post pandemic? Um, <laughs> let's go pre pandemic. Uh, so usually, and yeah, it's mostly James. James, like, is always writing lyrics. So he usually, like, we mightn't see him for weeks and he'll come back with like a book full of lyrics. So if he's always jotting things down, he's always like thinking of ideas. Um, and when he has one that he thinks is finished enough, he'll like bring it to us. And, you know, usually he'll have chord structure and maybe a structure of the song in general. Um, and then we'll all just get into a rehearsal room and we'll just kind of bring our own ideas to it, kind of listen to what it's about and try to, one thing we try to do is like, because James is quite like a storyteller in his lyrics, we try to think of the song as a scene in a movie and kind of write the music to that scene, if you, if that makes sense. Mm. So we all kind of add our own, yeah, to, to get that kind of the emotion or whatever he's trying to convey, we want that to come across in the music as well. So if he's angry, we want the music angry. It's kind of, you know, basic that's, that's super interesting way to to do it yeah it's i think it's all we it's all we know because i think it just makes the most sense and like i hope we succeed but yeah so we kind of all add our own bit to it sometimes we you know because i think it's good that because we're all friends we can say no to an idea as well without anyone's yeah. feelings getting hurt i think that's a, a important dynamic that we have yeah so there's there's no kind of egos if somebody tries something and it, it doesn't work, we'll just move on to something else. It's it's not a big deal. Yeah. So that's usually how it how it goes. I think we were actually trying to come up with the music to our last single, Stancil. And so we were trying out all these ideas. And um, in between ideas, Damien Sean and I just had like this jam, like this thing we, we were playing over and over. And so like we were playing along and James started nodding his head. So I think we kind of thought like, oh, this could be an idea. And so we played it for about five or six minutes. We turned on James and we were like, you know, does any of that work? And James was like, why that? He was like, oh, oh no. Oh, none of that worked. <laughs> that was way too fast. And we were like, oh, what the hell? You know, let's play for so long. And he was like, oh, it was good. It was really good. Uh, it's just, it was too fast for anything I have in front of me. And then the next time we came into the rehearsals, uh, James turned around and he's, he was like, uh, I think I've got something for that thing you were playing last week. And we more or less finished the song that day. 
you know we brought it into the studio and put the finishing touches on it with our producer Michael Rendell who did a really good job on the track but I'd say with the exception of Bills and Pills it was probably one of the fastest songs that we've we've had put together yeah and one of the instances of uh the music preceding the lyrics cool so it kind of not working out created a new song mm. then no I did. yeah definitely cool that's very natural i've got this idea right <laughs> i haven't thought it through fully but i'll get there someday but there's definitely something to be said for songs at least for us songs coming in twos okay yeah that's true and and like lyrics wise it happens to me all the time that and sometimes it's even intentional now like sometimes if i'm stuck on something i'll intentionally start writing something else and then both of them will come together like around the same time but you could be stuck on one for you could you could be on one thing like stan said and um future is not what it was we'd been playing stranded in sunset for ages and trying to work it out and sort of kneading it out and stuff and then this came from it, sort of by accident, stumbled into this song, and then finished Sunset. So we had two songs finished, sort of in the time it took to finish one song. pandemic permitting um you're meant to be touring with inhaler in october mm. yeah how yeah. you how are you feeling about that because that was rearranged from may did you say yeah it was meant to be was it now or is it mid-may i can't remember mid mid-may and now it's moved to the first second third fourth fifth and sixth maybe maybe there's a gap in the middle somewhere there but yeah the first week of october in ireland so two dates in dublin uh then to belfast and then limerick and Cork. that'd be so good yeah it's gonna be brilliant yeah they're great guys that we know you know we've met met them a few times in different yeah. scenarios yeah, it's actually funny how how often we've like bumped into each other just at different oh, really? festivals and yeah just like we, we just happen to do a lot of the same festivals or kind of support the same bands or and also yeah when we were in a uh, the netherlands there in january we were just walking in the middle of the town uh Groningen, where the festival was on and we were walking up this kind of like shop street and we walked past a window and we just spotted inhaler inside the window doing an interview. And he kind of, Eli, the singer, kind of pointed at us and made this like weird gesture, which we found out later on that night was just as we passed the window, he was saying the words, the clockworks. Because he was talking so about weird. us in the interview. So it was like, we keep crossing paths in like different ways and interview, like all this kind of stuff. What he didn't realize was, what he didn't realize was we were tuned in and hiding <laughs> Just in case he mentioned We it. read lips. It wasn't coincidence at all. I don't believe in coincidence. There is no coincidence. Yeah. Well, that'll be so much fun. Well, hopefully hopefully it will all go ahead. Yeah, hopefully it does. Who it'll knows? Be good. They're great and it'll be fun to... We've got loads of uh, loads of gigs, hopefully, coming. Fingers crossed. Yeah. If it doesn't happen in October, it'll happen next year. Do you know, like, yeah. 2021 is going to be mm. a monster year, not only for us, but for everyone, but, like, Definitely. for yeah. us, too. Do you know, it's, it's going to be yeah. so busy. Yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts on um, all the bands coming out of Ireland at the moment? What's what's going on over there? It's nice to have a spotlight on, on your country, I think. Yeah. In any any respect. It's funny because uh, when you see... Did you read that book? Um, 
2001, Meet Me in the Bathroom. It's about like 2001, New York in 2001-ish, like okay. those few years. And so it follows or like tells the story of like the Strokes, Interpol, LCD Sound System, The Rapture, bands like that. But in that, uh, I think one of Interpol says that like the Strokes rehearsed, I think it was them, rehearsed in the same rehearsal room. And this was going on. The yeah, yeahs were here. You know, all these bands were around at the same time. And you felt like everyone was conspiring to create the scene. Yeah. You know, you felt like it was like so methodical and thought out, but they were all sort of just doing it and then looking around going, oh, there's so much going on. Yeah. And now it's, it's interesting to sort of, uh, to have come from Ireland and to be sort of seeing that like, oh, they were playing too. Like we knew some some of the bands, but there's new bands cropping up all the time. And you're like, yeah. oh, they, they've been doing that cool thing or this interesting thing all this time that you, it yeah. wasn't planned that you would, everyone in Ireland would suddenly pick up a guitar. <laughs> Yeah. it's crazy though because it could have been any country in the world you know it happened to be yeah. or one so in that respect it's quite cool yeah some of the bands we know some of the bands we don't know but for some reason people are loving everything thanks for sending over your playlist you're welcome how have you guys how have you kind of put it together is it a couple each or yeah it's like two each and then two two band ones yeah, two collective how did you find making it? Because I feel like it's a bit harder for you guys because you only get to pick a couple each because there's obviously four. With this kind of thing, I've started going with gut instinct because I would just, I would, I would deliberate forever over, you know. Yeah. It's like if people ask, you know, what's your favourite film or something? I've just started going, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. IMDb straight, number one. Straight off. Shawshank Redemption. It might be different tomorrow, but you can commit to it today. <laughs> Do you want to pick one each then and then tell me about why you've chosen it? Okay, I'll go first. Okay. The the first, because I think it's first on the playlist, is um, I'm Waiting for the Man. Velvet Underground. By the Vel Velvet Underground. Nice choice. Thank you. Good, good tune. That song for me, aside from being just a brilliant song that I listen to all the time, is um, when I, I distinctly remember when I first heard it and realising that it was kind of like, it's like, that's, that song is like a big cloth. And then loads of the bands that I love have like cut pieces out of that cloth and worn it as their own. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I could I could hear I could hear where the strokes came from. I could hear where f twenty other bands that I love came from through that one song. It's, and then you hear people like David Bowie and stuff yeah. loved it, and you're like, oh, of course. And you know, it it just sort of felt like the beginning. It's almost like the root of root of all the music mm. you love yeah i sort of felt like i'd found the beginning yeah which is which is weird and i think like a lot of people feel the same way and then also i remember running to sean was at his one of his relatives house um recording something and i remember running to his house and being like sean there's the singer from the like 60s singing about literally singing about heroin he even called you know, in like, yeah. in that and in the song Heroin, there's actually a song called Heroin, you know, in the 60s. I actually remember I that. Yeah. But I remember that exact time that you told me that, James, because uh, you kind of, the way you sold it to me was as amazing as the Beatles were while the Beatles were singing about innocent things like Love Me Do. He was writing songs about heroin at the same time when you just thought that everyone was as innocent as the Beatles. Mm. They were, they were there and they existed on the other side of the world singing about that kind of stuff. I 
Exactly. And that totally informed... Like, we don't sing about heroin addiction because, because you know, none of, none of us are heroin addicts. But that line of, of writing totally, like, fo- followed through all the way up to us. And, like, the songs that I started writing from the very beginning, ha- having ha- had no idea who the Velvet Underground were, were yeah. informed by them. So, so much informed by them. Yeah. Okay. Who's next? Uh, actually, yeah, while we're on the, the heroin, <laughs> I'll go with my one. Great um, link. So, go... <laughs> Yeah, Golden Brown is my choice by The Stranglers. Um, it is my favourite song, but... Of all time? Uh, I just saw... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a great I know, it's song. some... Yeah. It, it's kind of hard to pick one, but then I just have that one. So I saw a fact about it on Spotify the last day, which is pretty funny. I said, it peaked at number two in 1982, which is pretty good considering it's a harpsichord waltz about heroin. <laughs> There seems so to be a bit of a, a common theme going on here. Should I be worried? Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, James. <laughs> All the rest of the songs are Libertine songs. Yeah, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think it's your favourite song? Um, It just... Between memories attached to it, from, say, like my dad showing me some music when I was a kid, to just the actual sound of it like mm. when you put your headphones on and listen to it it makes you kind of feel things a bit more than some other songs do for me Joe. You know, it like actually yeah. provokes feeling in me for some reason i just love it mm. some songs definitely warrant a headphone listen it's quite a different experience yeah so true so true i'll go then um to Stick with the theme of... No. No, we're going to move on from here. Um, but actually, to stick with the theme of uh, kind of music from when I was younger, um, I picked Elvis Presley, Return to Sender. Yeah, such a fun song, I love that. Yeah, and that's like the right word, I think, is fun. And like, there's something about that era of music that when I listen to it, it just puts a smile on my face. Kind of like, you know, Elvis... Kind of like 60s or, you know, so like Elvis kind of, even Marvin Gaye, kind of Motown, all that yeah. kind of early rock and roll. And I think it's the simplicity of it. It's just, it's just like simple songs. And like, yeah, like they're all about love, but like, it's just, this simplicity makes it like so timeless. Yeah, definitely. And, and it just makes it, I don't know, kind of, there's a happiness to it and yeah like it was kind of always on in the house because my mom loved elvis so like i listened to a lot of that um when i was younger as well but yeah every time i, I put on an elvis song or a or a marvin gay song or sam cook or anyone it, yeah there's something about it that yeah i love i don't know I know what you're saying about that very like simplistic 60s songwriting like they're all really short as well i've noticed yeah I think it's rare to find a song nowadays that's that can sounds as joyful. Yeah. Without sounding mm. cheesy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I think exactly. or or cliche or saccharine or whereas I think at the time like the girl bands and stuff. Yeah. Like Motown, like you said and stuff was just so it was just so good at hitting on a certain these like joyful emotions. Joy I can't think of a better word than joy. Like Yeah. But um, because because yeah. you're right, like it it, be, it became cheesy when people 
started to like you know try to replicate it yeah so like you know when you listen to kind of love songs after that era or whatever it's like oh fucking another love song but yeah when you listen to these songs it's because it's from that time it, it it's just it's classic yeah mm. and i think i think as well it's probably to do with the simplicity and the theme but i think you'd be hard pushed hard push to find like songs now that will last as long as these songs have um i think you know you said about simplicity as well i mm. think that uh i very often those songs are simple in arrangement but not in like technical yeah ability you know like the, the people playing oh, them yeah. are absolutely incredible and yeah. and what they're playing could actually be really difficult but they just it's just so organic and yeah, natural the end product yeah yeah the, the end product is simple the 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 manifestation is simple but the creation could be like really yeah really tricky oh, and i think that's yeah. another yeah. thing that's sort of lost you know it's like the make loads of effort but look like you've made none approach but way back in the day yeah yes. exactly 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 what it is okay tom so in 2017 we played electric picnic in ireland for the first time and electric picnic is like the big irish festival that happens at the end of each summer and for us at the time, you know, it was a special thing to be booked to play it because it's like it's your first festival appearance uh, as a band. And I remember after the gig, you know, we all thought it was a hit. We were all very happy with it. We thought we'd oh, we'll just run back to the tent, throw down our gear and we'll head back out, uh, enjoy ourselves. And when we got to the tent, we just ended up sitting down, having a few drinks and like just chatting for hours like there was a festival going on and we were just like so content with ourselves at the time that we just like let it pass us by while we enjoyed what we had just done i think this went on for a bit until i heard hannah reed singing through the trees and i was quite keen to see london grammar so i think i got everyone to like make some tracks and we headed down to the main arena and I remember, like, just as we were landing in, they were they were playing Night Call, the Kavinsky cover. And I just remember thinking, it's like, you know, we are now a festival-bearing band. Like, we've, like, we've done it. Like, it's on to the next thing now. And I remember walking towards the stage, listening to them, and thinking, this is the first song we've ever heard as a festival-playing band. Um, and always, you know, brings me fond memories of that night. I wish I shared the same memory. I don't remember <laughs> seeing them at all. <laughs> you were there. I led the way. Yeah, I, bl- I believe you. <laughs> Just shit on Tom's memory. <laughs> it had no impact to me whatsoever. Whether, whether or not we remember, I think that was the first song we heard after playing Electric. I remember, yeah. I remember that it was yeah that's on me that's not on anyone <laughs> it was the best night of the festival though yeah yeah and then we had a whole weekend ahead of us then i oh, see so you stayed for the yeah. whole weekend yeah. after you played yeah mm. yeah it's much nicer playing on the it. first night because then you can enjoy the rest yeah just relax yeah yeah, yeah. and we had artists artists camping and all the performers or what have you so it was definitely Maybe a hallmark for us more than yeah. a comfortable certain, yeah. Oh god, that must be the best, like literally playing a festival and then attending it. It's class. I love it. Yeah, it is. It's a and it, it gets better and better the the more 
like the better stages you get on so like last year we did the same festival but we were another like tear up and the stuff that you get like yeah. backstage is just like unbelievable <laughs> they're doing like free tattoos and stuff like what? that like it's, it's actually that that crazy yeah no way yeah yeah i always think that it's a bit of a shame like when bands are in such a rush like touring around that they like play these amazing festivals and then just have to go straight away like i would i would want I know, to stay yeah. definitely i I think we were like one of the only only bands who were playing there was like areas where bands who were playing certain stages could go. Yeah. You know, so like if you were playing some of the bigger stages you could go to like such and such an area. And we were like the only band, I think, playing in that area who were staying for the weekend. <laughs> because we just we just so happened to have played a few gigs like the days preceding, a few festivals. Yeah. But then we had the Sunday off. So we got to to stay for the Saturday and Sunday, whereas um, everyone else had to sort of just play and then jump in a van and, and head on. It was great. It's quite a nice way to actually really like enjoy the moment and like reflect, I guess. We really took it in, yeah. 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 So if you were to pick one of these songs as a band, then from the playlist, what would it be? Our band picks were the, the Smiths and um, The Clash, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were the ones that we picked, we just said we'd pick as a band. Um, the Smiths is probably there's no I don't I don't think there's any one memory attached to that song, but I think the Smiths sort of like uh, pervade every everything we do a little bit. Yeah, they're like the constant. Yeah, we just love yeah we just love the Smiths. That is actually it, isn't it? It's just uh, a band that we all absolutely love, and Johnny Marr is great. Yeah, Andy Rourke's amazing. Morrissey's lyrics are brilliant. You know, it's just like... Yeah. The lyrics in the song are great, actually. It's very, like, changes mood all throughout. Mm. Very back and forth. It's quite like... Like, like, line by line. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you say The Clash, you picked as a band as well. That doesn't surprise me. Really? Clash are cool. That was the first... Um, like, we we don't normally do covers, but when we were in Galway, we, we did a couple. And Rock the Casbah was... The first oh, really? cover that we did as like as the four of us, yeah. Oh wow. So and like even back then I'd say our, our songs were a bit um less um what's the word? Like punky, I suppose. Mm. So even back then we had a love of like the clash and you know that kind of yeah. genre but didn't um our music didn't reflect that as much. So it's it's funny that our, our music's kind of going that way a bit more these days. That love was always there, and it's just showing more now. I was listening to a podcast the other day about The Clash and how they kind of formed and came together, and it was saying that I think Joe Strummer like, always just knew that he wanted to be in a band, and he was just, like, fixated on that aim before even, like, learning to play or writing anything. It's quite similar to what you were saying about how you had the ambition... And the goal was there before anything actually happened. That is exactly it. I think that is one of the things with the with the Clash for me. That there's a few bands, um, Clash, The Stones, um, Oasis. There's probably loads more. I the, off the top of my head, those kind of bands who, mm. The Strokes actually, when they first came out, and you know you can sort of see that. It's that kind of like you know, us against the world sort of 
romantic notion. Yeah. That I think that I think we all buy into that it's like just have to be in a band. Yeah. Before we were in a band, we were all in. A, we were in a band before we were playing music. Yeah, I think wasn't one of their members. I can't remember who it was. Um, they chose him because of what he was wearing. They like they thought his he had the right look, and he didn't know how to play. I think it was the bass player, and then they were like, "You just you just need to learn," because <laughs> he looked the the part. Yeah, like Sean. Sean played drums, but he kind of like learned guitar, and I. Didn't know how to play drums and I learned drums. We, we just kind of, no, it, was, right. it was just through an interest, like, yeah. Because mm. we were all interested in music. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of made it happen. Well, that gives me hope for the guitar. <laughs> oh, that's easy. <laughs> it's easy when you know how. Yeah. <laughs> Who picked I Want to Be Adored, The Stone Roses? Me. That's one of my favourite songs of all time. Is it? Mm. Yeah. Why? Um, well, I just love the whole album, but this song was just like, I think it was my old stepdad introduced me to it when I was younger, but I just like, it's really sim- simple in the lyrics, but it's just so like emotive and raw and like, I don't know how, what, how to describe it. It's very poignant. It's like just saying what everyone else feels, like everyone just wants that. <laughs> that is yeah. like, yeah. That is a good chunk of the reason why I chose that one was that I just felt when I first heard that, um, I think it was in your car, Sean. Oh, really? I think, I think it was in your car. I think it was on in the car cool. and I heard it and I heard like, I don't obviously, you know, you know, the lyrics, but like, I don't have to sell my soul. He's already yeah. in me. I want to be adored. And I just felt like in three lines, you'd said, so, he'd said so much yeah. and so well. He said so much and so well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First time I heard that, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Whoa. And the like, and the build up at the intro as well. It's like. Yeah. And I think. It's when you hear that first bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think um, it's got this weird, like, two sides to it as well because, you know, on the one hand, he's sort of um, knocking people who are like, want to be adored. Mm. Because it's like, he's already, like, he's already in me, devil it, whatever. But yeah. on the other hand, he is standing on a stage or whatever, singing, like, in a really ambitious band, singing I Want to Be Adored. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Something about it just yeah. kills me. And they can hold a groove as well. I think they're, like, they're a lesson in how to just hold hold a groove together. Yeah. You know, and, like, sort of, like, develop Dance. it and stuff. Yeah. This album, that album is just, like... It's crazy, it's isn't it? <laughs> There's so many good songs on it. It's like so hard to even pick one. I actually went through about five, I think, and settled mm. on that. For the lyrics. I settled on that because the lyrics yeah. of that one yeah. sort of always spoke to me. But like, um, I was between like five or six. Who should people be listening to while they're in isolation? Who should people check out? Just us. <laughs> on the 12th of June. <laughs> We're here to promote Clockworks and Clockworks only. Play it on repeat. <laughs> the last guy I got into, um, I think he's just solo. I think he might have a, a backup drummer sometime. But a junior brother who we met in Groningen for the first time. Very, very, very good. He's from uh, Kerry in Ireland, I believe. Um, and I bet you won't have heard anything like him. Well, that's quite a sell. 
and you have that's amazing yeah i'm intrigued nice. or your money back yeah absolutely tom's a con man by the way <laughs> and where can people find you and your music instagram instagram's hot right now um <laughs> our instagram is the clockworks band straightforward uh music is on spotify apple music all that stuff it goes up everywhere at once so i don't even know where it is it's everywhere um youtube youtube's got some different content to uh to like facebook so we get yeah we've got like some diaries and stuff up there they're quite like, so uh provocative <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't read too much into that <laughs> you'll have to go check it out for yourself but we're on yeah we're on we're on the internet all you have to do is look us up well, thank you so much. Nice one. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much to the guys from the Clockworks for speaking to me. I really can't wait for the world to hear their new single. I think it's their best yet, so definitely check that out when it's live in June. You can find the link to their playlist in the episode description, so definitely have a listen to that now that you've heard all about their choices. Please do like and share the podcast if you enjoyed it, and you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter, at Vocal Girls Club. And if you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, it's press at vocalgirls.com. Thank you so much for listening as always and I'll see you next week.